2: Welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial place for all of television. I'm your host, Cecily. And I'm your co-host, Alexis. And we are today covering His Dark Materials, episode four, called Armour. Armour? (laughs) Armour. Spelled the British way, (laughs) Armour. All right, what did you think of this episode?
1: I liked it. This has been my favorite episode so far. I'm biased. I like animals. There are a lot of animals. Aminals. Aminals? Animals cinnamon cinnamon animals in this episode <laughs> sorry i lost my mind for a second there and also lin-manuel miranda mm. it's great
2: i see your I face see we're having, having opinions. opinions here already <laughs> but yeah i liked it what do you think um i liked it we are officially actually heading north hell this yes time. uh i think lin-manuel is certainly having a lot of fun with what he's doing <laughs> The bears are amazing. Absolutely. And full of so much feeling, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of what the difference is between Yorick and Simba from The Lion King. He's doing a lot of stuff with his... He doesn't really
1: have eyebrows, but he's doing more with his eyes, I think, than those characters did.
2: Yeah, and I had to... I had to go to my local encyclopedia of knowledge, which is my husband, (laughs) and say, are are polar bears really that big? And I think it's actually very life-size to what an actual polar bear is. And he's
1: gigantic. He's enormous. He is like eclipsing the doorway of that church toward the end of the episode. It was amazing.
2: But I still want to nuzzle his muzzle.
1: Yes, I want to
2: wipe it down with a cleaning wipe or something, Mm -hmm. and then I want to nuzzle it. Yeah. Wipe all the little eye boogers out of his eyes and like give him a <laughs> brushing. And I still want to cuddle with him. So, absolutely. So he's doing a lot. He's doing the most for me. Do you want to go ahead and talk about the episode? Yeah, let's do it.
3: Housekeeping.
0: Our annual holiday type shenanigans start next week. Be on the lookout for a little trailer we've cooked up pickle me this is our rick and morty podcast for season four and on this episode rick hates heist movies so much he spends an entire 30 minutes subverting the whole genre find out what jim and i have to say on pickle me this over on bald movies in case you missed it we saw a beautiful day in the neighborhood last week the quasi mr rogers biopic that had us wondering if you could found a secular religion around the life of fred rogers the answer is almost certainly and that he would hate it pretty good argument against doing it i guess If you've enjoyed my occasional political tangents here on Bald Move, or maybe especially if you haven't, you might try listening to my new podcast on the Swizzbold Network, Three Right Turns. This week's episode is entitled Star Trek Republican, and I mean that title doesn't intrigue you. I I don't know. I I, I also make jet noises with my mouth, so check that out. If any of these sound good, you can find that more information on baldmove.com to subscribe or search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: We took All right. We s- open with Lee Scoresby and his demon Hester in the air balloon chasing a lead on Yorick, and from that vantage point in the sky, they see the Egyptians arriving at Trollysond at the same time. Mm-hmm. The most Lin
1: Manuel opening for anything ever. Right. I loved it.
2: <laughs> he got he got his uh, solo there in the beginning. <laughs> um. So then we get down to the ground and see Lee Scoresby meeting the harbormaster is what I wrote here in the notes, but you are telling me Sisselman Mm -hmm. is a title and not his actual name.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Sisselman is a, it's like a governor. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But this town's really small. So saying that you're the governor of a tiny town is like saying I'm king shit of dookie mountain
2: gotcha because it seemed to be you know i I couldn't quite put put a pin on it maybe this is one of those britishisms uh but he had a office right there on the boat
3: it's a dock thing, area mm-hmm.
2: and also the magisterium reported to him but uh importantly he's played by Dutters! Dudley Dersey from Harry Potter. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: I was wondering why
1: I recognized him. At first, I thought it was just because he looks a little bit like Jared from Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah, you're right. In the, the eyes, and the nose zone.
2: Yeah, he's thinned out quite a
3: bit Hmm.
2: Um, since he's moved out with his parents, and he looks gaunt. Yeah. Hardly recognizable. Maybe the Death Eaters. Death Eaters? No. The Oh, my God. I'm a bad Harry Potter fan. Listen, Is it not Death Eaters? No, Death Eaters are Voldemort's followers. I'm talking about oh, the... that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> the, the the guys you scare away with the Patronus charm. Everyone the the, the, the shouting, Dementors. Dementors. Dementors got to him, so eh, whatever. He wasn't that great <laughs> to begin with. But we also see that Lee Scoresby is kind of a skilled pickpocket here. Steals his watch.
1: He's a handsome rascal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, then we see Lord Fa and Fardercorum discussing taking Lyra to the Witches Council and his... Uh, previous relationship with Serafina Pecola. We get to see
1: Pan take a new form. He's an arctic fox. He's he very excited. They're always white in his forms, I noticed.
2: Uh, except for one. Yeah. Two. The cat. And they're just like a loaf. He's a he's a fox loaf. He's kind of Aaron was watching this with me and he's like, is that just a fat dog walking beside her? <laughs> I'm like, no, he's a he's, cuddly fox. He's poofy. He's poofy. He's supposed to stay warm in the cold exactly uh, so Farter Coram asks Lyra to show him exactly how she's reading the alethiometer as they walk through these very highly visible streets
1: I, yeah she just fucking whips it out in the middle of everything like what are you doing
2: yep and everyone's watching Lor- Farter Coram notices people watching and tells her to put it away <laughs> they uh, arrive at the witch's council and meet with a Dr. Lancelius Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen this guy before in something else. He does look familiar. Uh, so they are asking him to get a message to Serafina Pecola. And he reveals that stealing children is none of the witches' business. They know it's happening, but they have an agreement with the magisterium to keep their, keep their nose out of it.
1: Yeah, I think they're just trying to stay neutral.
2: Mm-hmm. We also see in the scene that he too has a snake demon, it's which true. is another another second one we've seen so far, mm-hmm. and tells them that he is aware that they are performing the maystap process or an intercision, as they call it. Never this. How can one word
1: pack so much like menace and sharpness? It's yeah. Pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, intercision. Is this a word that was invented for the golden compass?
1: It can't be, right? That
2: has to be something else. I don't know. I thought it was, but it's certainly, yeah, you certainly know what it means. Uh, They also call them, oh yeah, this was, uh, intercision was created for his dark materials. Interesting. So don't look that up if you're (laughs) curious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Google that term. I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, excision is to cut something off. Yeah. So what is intercision? To cut mm. yourself
2: off.
3: Mm. Mm. Mm.
2: Mildly interesting. Mildly, mildly. <laughs> um. So the other thing I wanted to mention here, and this is book knowledge, but I don't think it's spoiling anything, but the witches are all female, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a man, specifically a male, on the ground to handle sort of their, you know, council affairs.
1: Right. He's their representative in right. this town.
2: Which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Did they always choose men to be the representatives on the ground because they can't have a, you know, lose any witches in the field?
1: Maybe. Maybe they think people will look more kindly upon a man than a woman. Possibly. <laughs> <It's> certainly true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We need men to deal with men's business. mm mm-hmm. uh, Before they leave, Dr. Lansalius asks for Lyra to demonstrate using and reading the alethiometer, and she does so to find Serafina Pecola's pine spray,
1: When which... he asks... Sorry. Um, when he asks her to do that farticorum, gives him a very significant look, mm-hmm. which we know from the book is this is part of something else um maybe i'll mention that later on in the spoiler section
2: okay um so so of course she finds it with the alethiometer because we Mm -hmm. know that she can read this effectively right and he gives her a little piece of seraphina piccola spray to use any time to summon her
1: yeah we're uh getting set up for a future hell seraphina moment yeah. Instead of Hail Mary. You see what I did
2: there? Yeah, I see what it you did there. Thank you. <laughs> Just Move uh on. do three three northern pines and five pine oaks and uh hail seraphina. <laughs> like counting a rosary.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
2: I bet it smells amazing down there in that cellar.
1: Absolutely.
2: I yeah, I would love to have a room full. I'm so excited for Christmas. I'm just excited for Christmas <laughs> and getting a tree in my house so it can smell like that too. <laughs> you could cheat like me and get those, those scent sticks yeah. and hang it in your fake tree. hmm I like doing that. So she, you know, demonstrates her power effectively. And before he leaves, he tips them off on to where they can find an armored bear for hire, possibly. Dun, dun, dun. Don't have to wait long. Because then they find Jorg sin at the Metalworks. Oh, yeah, I wanted to say his
1: his very pronounced pronunciation, pronunciation, Jesus Christ, <laughs> of Yorick Bernison. Like, all right, this is the definitive. We know how to say
2: this dude's name now. Yes. Yorick Bernison. Well, I'm still going to say Yorick <laughs> Berenson because I like that better. It's got, <laughs> got bear, bear in it, yeah. <laughs> so Yorick says he's seen the child cutters. He doesn't like it, and he's, uh, he's a bear principle, But uh, he can't do anything because he doesn't have his armor. And I love that he's just—he's ginormous. We already talked about how cute he is, but he gets in her face, and I don't know how she resisted as a twelve-year-old girl the urge to reach out and just pet his soft face. Because I was petting my TV.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The teeth, probably the teeth. The teeth, yeah. I guess
2: his breath probably isn't great. It's all whiskey and. I was thinking about
1: his breath because he's his where he is. There's like. Blood in the mud puddles and stuff. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blood puddles. Probably um, the rotten meat breath. Gross. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he refuses the call to adventure. Um, in the next scene, we see Mrs. Coulter arriving at the magisterium in another fabulous outfit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, she meets with someone who, I didn't catch his name, but who cares? We don't see him again for the rest of the episode. Yeah. And there's a lot of magisterium members that sure like to look at her as she passes. And he says, well, you do have a reputation for starting up trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, her monkey reaches for her hand at this point, maybe to comfort her. And she refuses that. She slaps it away. another monkey slap. Yep.
1: No comfort allowed. Nope. No hint that she is having any kind of
2: emotions. Nothing. None of that. So we go to a room where Father McPhail is attempting to scold her for her <laughs> actions. Uh, the Cardinal arrives and offers her her sustenances. Um,
1: Cardinal and- Kowtow. <laughs> yeah. It's historic, but he's Cardinal Kowtow in my heart. I can't. That posture and the way he like, is looking up through his eyebrows. It's the worst. Yeah, it's the it's worst. It's meant to be the worst.
2: I don't understand what he's doing because it's definitely not a spinal issue the actor definitely doesn't have <laughs> uh, some kind of deformity in his spine and i don't know what he's doing i don't know it's
1: like maybe it's supposed to be some kind of weird social engineering thing but he's like the he's like the
2: prince from robin hood the animated movie you remember <laughs> mm-hmm. that's just what he, he reminds me of So the punishment they intend for her is to give the general oblation board to Father McPhail, who looks just as surprised as she is. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But then again, I would too if I knew that (laughs) that was happening. I want to be on her bad side, even if she's stripped of power. Exactly. Uh, They want to strip her of all of her official duties as well. Then she gives him a slow clap right to his face (laughs) and says that she has Asriel in Bear Prison and she's going to go back north. And... She's going to get one alethiometer question. And she does. Just yep. make her the cardinal already.
1: It seems like it'd be a lot easier. A <laughs> lot more straightforward. And they're they're not happy about it. They're letting it happen, but they're not happy about it. Yeah, no. There could be repercussions
2: in the For future. For whom? We don't know. So, back at the boat, Lyra asks about uh Coram's relationship with Serafina Pecola. I love these first, last name things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: At least it's not three names like Benjamin de Reuter. That's done with. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. <laughs> Farticorum reveals that they had a child together a long time ago when he was a younger man. And that child died. And Serafina Pecola would not accept that. So he le- she left him alone to mourn. And she wanted to fight the world and would go all the way to Yambe Aka to fight for her son's soul back.
3: Mhm.
2: What is that? Yambe Aka
1: is the god of the death of witches. Is this specifically?
2: Is this a Golden Compass exclusive thing or is this some old lore that I'm not familiar it with? It is
1: that in the Golden Compass and it's also based on a real thing. Um in our world she is a Finnish goddess of death and Ooh. she has charge of the
2: underworld.
3: <gasps> mm-hmm.
2: I fucking love it. I want to be a witch so bad. <laughs> want to fly with my pine sprigs and smell Christmas all the time and have death goddesses. It was interesting to me. They decided to take away
1: the visual of uh, witches on brooms for this because as far as I know, those branches are meant to be kind of like brooms. Like they serve the same function as your traditional witch's broom. Mm-hmm. But here they're just a little piece of pine. Yeah. We saw in the uh, the preview for the next episode, if anybody else watched that, that they're just flying they're just flying just man flying around
2: mm, yeah i guess i have some questions about the pine spray mm-hmm. do is it just a different tree it's or a cloud
1: can- pine specifically
2: oh really yeah okay so they're just all so can witches pull a spray from the same tree just a different branch or i think
1: so yeah okay and then just make it theirs somehow magic you know mm-hmm.
2: yeah magic <laughs> There's not that many sprays to give out So must be something really special For Lyra to get one to use Whenever she wants
1: Yeah, a needle off of one
2: Uh, So then we see Lee Scoresby <laughs> Arrives at the bar And this is just a really bizarre scene I'm not going to sugarcoat this one This <laughs> He <laughs> Goes in loudly, picks a fight with ev- all and everyone, and also asks about Yorick, and just has a whole—it's just a whole scene of him chewing the scenery. He's giving a stage performance for television, and it's just all an elaborate way to get his ass kicked and pickpocket a few of the locals. I see you have a different opinion.
1: I would agree with that. I agree that he is doing stage acting more so than. You know the slightly more subtle, understated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> acting for film. Um, I still thought it was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some insight into his character. I know that he is just kind of an abrasive ding dong, uh-huh. basically, <laughs> and this is just his style. Like he he lacks the subtlety that character, so it makes sense. Yeah, and I also really enjoyed. I like the relationship that he has with Hester. It seems to be pretty close, yeah. especially among adults. Like, we haven't seen a lot of adults speaking a lot to their demons. Right. But here One of my chief like complaints. A, it's a constant dialogue, and it's, it's great. I love it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I like that he wiped the bar down before he put his hat on it. I'm like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You don't want somebody's stinky old whiskey on your head
2: no of course not I mean he looks amazing oh my god I love that outfit so much and he's got so much style and all all of his scenes with Lyra are so cute oh they're so good they're really good on each other especially like later we'll see the face he makes at her when your growls I love that
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um but I just hate (laughs) Lin-Manuel as Lee Scoresby I do I don't like it at all
1: (laughs) he he does seem like he might be a little too young for the
2: role just maybe you know, young, but also he's got this like Texas accent that comes and goes, and it's <laughs> uh, he just I don't know. I feel like how many musical scenes are we gonna get of Lee Man- linman Well, I- I'm not. I don't want to rail against it too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's all well and good, but it's just it's just different. It's just very different.
1: It's very different. Yeah, if you come into this expecting your. Sam What's-His-Face. Sam Elliott. Sam Rockwell. Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Wise Gamgee. No, if you come into this expecting Sam Elliott, um, just don't do that to yourself. Be be kind. Yeah. Expect Lin-Manuel Miranda being a little bit of a,
2: a ham. scamp. And a ham, a hammy scamp. <laughs> ham scamp. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what you'll get. All right. So then we see Mrs. Coulter at the magisterium asking Fra Pavel. Pa- Pavel? Why did I go so extra with that? Asking her one question of the Latheometer, And that question is, who is Lyra Balacqua? And he says, surely you of all people. And she's like, just ask that question. <laughs> you know what I mean. So Stop. I assume this is her learning about this prophecy that we as the audience already know. About. We that, don't know what it is. Yeah,
1: exactly. That was this was me realizing, oh, maybe she doesn't she doesn't know about it yet, and if she doesn't, maybe the magisterium doesn't either.
2: Right. Maybe just she wants an update on the prophecy.
1: Something. Yeah. Something. I don't know. I maybe was making some assumptions in the earlier episodes that I shouldn't have been. <laughs>
2: Oops. Oops. Happens to the best of us. Uh Lee Scoresby <laughs> meets Lyra like in the scene. square. <laughs> like He's just going around yelling about where the bear is, making his (laughs) intentions entirely known, which I thought would be a problem at some point, but really isn't. Uh, And I'm just thinking of other questions like, how did he know to come here for Yorick? Wouldn't you just immediately go to the metalworks if that's what his thing is? Uh, Nope. Don't think about it too much. So (laughs) (laughs) she says that she knows where the bear is and she's not going to tell him until she trusts him. I like this scene.
1: I really like, um, so Lyra is the one speaking to him first, and he tries to pass on the authority to Farticorum, and Farticorum was just like, this is her, this is her show, man. I love this. He passes it right back to her, That's wonderful. It's such
2: a great subversion, because normally adults don't trust children, and don't Mm -hmm. listen to children. Lord Fa even tries to do it at some point and like not only is she a child who knows exactly what she's talking about she has the science to back it up mm-hmm. I guess you couldn't call it science could you call it science? the elethiometer that everyone knows and trusts that she's can read um, and Farter Gorham just puts his faith in her as a man who has loved a witch in the past you mm-hmm. can tell that he's learned who to trust and believe women
1: you know yeah <laughs> absolutely
2: especially the young ones and (laughs) her look of smug satisfaction when farter corb says that i'm just following her lead so good
1: it's wonderful and then she she walks on the deal (laughs) oh man just like somebody walking off of a car lot i love it (laughs) yep it's wonderful
2: so good uh but you know he doesn't ends up not needing her until later so we see Lord Faw and Farticorum walking at night, and Seraphina Pecola's demon arrives, and we learn that witches can send their distances or their demons great distances away. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fardercorum recognizes Kaiza the hawk. Yeah, she's a white hawk. White I'm hawk. I'm pretty sure. Um, in
1: the book, or not? Not she. He. He is a white hawk. In the book, he is an enormous gray goose. Goose, yeah. Yeah.
2: That
1: I was, was really hoping change. for a goose. I was too.
2: Because once again, I feel like it's a cop-out to have 75% of your characters have hawks as demons. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's and definitely a budget thing.
2: Yeah. And we barely got any pan in this episode. And we got two snakes. Mm-hmm. it just feels like as co-stars and also main (laughs) characters of the series they should be in it more
1: (laughs) oh my god did you see on twitter lenwin wells twitter he posted a short video of um his son sebastian meeting the puppet of hester oh my god and the puppeteer was like doing bunny stuff with it it like kind of leaned up and Quickly touched his nose to Sebastian's and like ran away. That's so cute. It was wonderful. And Sebastian was like covering his face like, oh my God. You know, like kids do. I loved
2: it. It was great. I love that. You have to look at it. I didn't even know that he had children, honestly. Child? Just the one.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to find that and link in the show notes since, (laughs) since I know everyone wants to see it too.
1: There's that. And then we also, he was showing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. On his Twitter, I'm really glad I follow him. Yeah. Um, but he showed the, it's not really a puppet, so much as an enormous fucking statue of Yorick. Aww. And it's great, and it's
2: huge. Huge. It's so big. Huge. Huge man-eaters. <laughs> so cute.
1: <laughs> eat so, me,
2: eat me. <laughs> please. Uh, So Kaisa calls Farter Quorum, Quorum Van Texel? Mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, I don't know if that's like a pet name. See what I did there? Demons aren't pets, Alexis. Stop it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse. Uh, so this is where we, we realize that that is his real name. And Farter is kind of a title.
0: Because okay. it
1: sounds like father for a reason. You could see how oh. Farter father.
2: Okay. We have a little bit of feedback about that later, too, mm-hmm. I think. Um, oh, yeah, maybe I should have waited. No. Oops. We'll get more into that later. I don't want to, like, spoil it for anyone that thinks that that's a spoiler. I don't even know if it is, but we'll talk about it in the feedback. Uh, Kaiser... Uh, Kaiser? <laughs> Soze. Go on. Kaiser Soze <laughs> of the Third Reich uh-huh. says that uh, the children are four days north in Balvenger, and Balvenger means fields of evil in a language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ser- Norse. What is it?
1: Norse. Bol is, like, bad or evil, and vengar is a plural for fields or meadow. Mm. Meadows. Okay. Uh,
2: Seraphina Pecola will support them wherever they go. Mm-hmm. And as he leaves, you get the shot of f- Fartercorum with these tears in his eyes. Like, just... He... Either probably loved this woman so much and was just devastated that she she lost or that he lost his son, and I don't know if they do marriage or anything wife, the mother of his child at the same mm-hmm. time, but just seeing her demon was enough to bring that back, and he is absolutely killing it in this role, James Cosmo, he absolutely is, yeah, he's doing so much. then we see Lyra and Pan watching the northern lights. And they can glimpse the hidden city with their naked eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that means yet. But it's something that Azriel had to set up a complicated machine to be able to see. Right. And she can just see it. And I don't know if that's because she's a child or because she's a special child.
1: Or because she has started being able to read the alethiometer. That- and whatever caused that to start happening also has something to do with... Maybe it's all dust.
2: Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Questions. Questions we need answers for. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony finds Lyra and they have uh, a little moment. A
1: little bonding moment,
2: yep. I don't know if they're... I don't know if this is... His being aged down is coming to fruition and that they're going to have uh, uh, you know, a young relationship or something like that. But a love triangle. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. Or maybe they're trying to remind us that Lyra is a girl that is old enough to start thinking about boys so that it makes more sense later on I don't
2: know right yeah maybe so you don't ship her and Roger if we ever see Roger again I don't know
1: <laughs> I don't know either I'm um I kind of want to talk about the geography of this for a minute I don't know why but the first time and maybe the second time I was reading through the books I thought that they say that this, you know, place is in the north, and I was thinking like some fucking abandoned middle of nowhere location. But I was looking at the map of quote unquote Lyra's world, and it, if you lay that world and our world, on, world on top of each other, the geography lines up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Trollesond is, they call it Lapland, okay, in the show. Yeah. So it's the this the southernmost port. Of Lapland, which is Finland in our world. Okay. So this Bolvanger place is just the the most northern part of Finland, which is technically um, Norway. Okay. That's not very far. It's
2: no. not very far. No. We didn't go very far in this. I figured. I figured that it had some sort of real life parallel mm-hmm. because I think uh, Yorick and maybe Iafer. Yofer, Iafer. <laughs>
1: Eofur, I think.
2: Eofur. They have v- vaguely sort of like Nordic accents.
1: And they're from uh Svalbard, which is a real place. Here okay. it's called Svalbard here too. It's the northern um archipelago. It's Ar- the archipelago. It's like a big island kind of. Yeah.
3: All um right.
1: the northernmost archipelago of Norway.
2: Archipelago. Archipelago.
1: <laughs> archipelago. <laughs> Archipelago. That's a cool name.
2: Archipelago. Okay. Archipelago. Archipelago.
1: Papa the boopy. All
2: right. We okay. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so then in the next scene, we see Lee finding Yorick finally. And it's been three long years since they've seen each other. But Lee owes Yorick a debt. For some reason, he saved his life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, but unfortunately, Yorick is drunk and asks Lee to to leave because I think he's just embarrassed to be seen without his armor and in his drunken state and to be brought down so low and lee wants to help and he's going to yeah Uh,
1: yorick is kind of too down on himself at this point to be willing to accept help
2: yeah i like this scene i'm really curious about the backstory of lee and yorick and how they got to be buddies and i'm sure they have some really fun adventures they go on didn't you you gave me a Book (laughs) is this about their first meeting Uh adventure? Yeah, okay,
1: that's what that was.
2: I haven't read that yet, but
1: yeah, we find out in that book. I it's not too much of a spoiler. Lee won his balloon in a card game. Okay, of course he did. And Yorick, they kind of helped bail each other out of a town where shit went sour. (laughs) Very similar to this, actually. Yeah, I can see
2: how he comes. Lee comes hard.
1: <laughs> it's oh yes, oh yes, he does, and
2: he has always been like that. Seems like I don't know. Seems like you can get a lot done just kind of, you know, being a little bit more subtle about it. But you just walk in and announce your intention, your intentions. I mean, there's something very honorable and admirable about that honesty.
1: Yeah, he's a straightforward con man.
2: <laughs> yeah, is that a thing? I guess it is now. Like, hey, if you're going to get within two inches of someone's face, then you're asking for your watch to be snatched, right? It's true. Yeah. You're going to punch a guy and you lose your watch. That seems fair. Wallet <laughs> or two, you know. Uh, So Lee goes to the Sisselman on York's behalf and says, and I think, I assume he made this up, but says he's got a bill where he officially won york's armor and he tries they try to cite law back and forth to each other um before he eventually tries to bribe him
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and intimate that he you know can just change his mind with enough money Uh, but this is a Sisselman who's very serious about his duties
1: well he's implying that the magisterium already bribed him to do this in the first place. So oh it's really? like yeah. So he's like, well if you you already accept bribes, clearly, so here, take my bribe. And the dude was like affronted. Oh. Hypocrite. And then he pulls out a gun on him. So
2: Alright. Cool. I assumed I assumed that he was just cowed by the power of the Magisterium, but it's I guess it's both. same. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so under threat of gun he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Uh, Then we quickly see Mrs. Coulter practicing her pitch to Eofor. Eofor? Jesus. Come on. Eofor. Eofor. Fur. It's right there in the name. And I think her monkey comes very close to speaking and she shushes it. Shushes it. Shushes it. it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think he was going to say something along the lines of, you've got this or something. And she's like, bitch, I already know. I got this. (laughs)
2: Step off. Or she's <laughs> gonna give her some advice like, oh, have you have you thought about what to offer him for this instance and this instance? Mm-hmm. Uh she's got it. She's perfectly prepared. Yep, no dialogue allowed whatsoever. So back at the dock, the Egyptians are preparing to leave and they already know that Lord Azrael is being held by the bears. And they know about bullvanger, so they're gonna go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lord Lord Foss says that Yorick is a savage, and he talked to someone, probably the Sisselman or some other magisterium asshole. And she pulls out the elite theometer to fact check his ass immediately. Again, in
1: the middle of the docks. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. cool. Uh,
2: she knows that she knows that Yor or Yorick was tricked, but. Lord Faw doesn't care, and he insists they leave anyway. Again, why is anyone doubting her? She's the prophesied child. If you don't have her on board, then what are you even doing this for? I know you're trying to find your kids, but you really need her. Oh yeah. And I, I okay. So throughout the episode, I'm wondering how, at what point, were they going to find the armor? Because mm-hmm. I knew going into it that that was going to be what happens. Right. And that's the reason he was being held there. Um, but it just felt like I don't know. I was, I kept trying to like check myself during this scene. Like, what do people who don't know what's happening know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have armor. They have to find it. Is that why he's being held there? Why would he be serving these people? Um, I don't know. It seems like Lord Faw just wants to add some extra stakes here.
1: <laughs> wants to get the hell out of Dodge because yeah. he knows that Mrs. Coulter is on their trail now. Um, I Honestly, I kind of liked there was a little bit of conflict between Lyra and Lord Faw here because mm-hmm. uh, it... I don't know. Does it seem more realistic? We're talking about a world where there are witches and armored bears. Does that even matter? to say that something is realistic or not. Like if she were just getting everybody to blindly agree to her like she does in the books a lot of the time.
2: Right, you can't just, yeah. It's it's tough because you can't just trust in, well, I'm, I'm gonna still going to call it science here. You can't just trust in these facts immediately. You need to know that you have good instincts as well and that you're making good decisions. Even with all of that information, even if Yorick was tricked in everything, then what's the best thing for Lord Fod to do for his people.
1: Exactly, yeah. He has a lot resting on his shoulders. Yeah. And leaders uh, sometimes have to make difficult decisions, even though they may not seem like the most correct thing to do.
2: Right. In the moment. And, you know, she's so new at doing this that maybe she knows the truth, but maybe she doesn't have the exact details right. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Or maybe it's still not even the best thing to do, even if she's right. Um, And he was right about going north to london and he had to convince everyone to come along with him then so yeah i get it um but did she know she's also a 12 year old girl mm-hmm. and nobody can double check the theometer to make sure she read it right exactly so... yeah she could and she's also known for telling stories so she could (laughs) just say the liethiometer told me and she's lying because that's how she's playing this bluff
1: (laughs) yeah she uh bluffs a few times in this episode
2: so it is not entirely unlikely right um so then we see back at the magisterium rather boreal accosts fra pavel in the hall and wants to know what mrs coulter knows he calls him ratty a few times in this scene and threatens to expose his filthy predilections, uh, which, I don't know, is he gay? I assume he's gay or something. Or Maybe he's fucking kids, but also, like, why would you hide that for him? Well, according to the be, church,
1: right. every gay man is a pedophile. Well, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just,
2: it's just faith versus science, I guess.
1: I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where Raddy comes from. I don't have any greater insight into that. So, yeah,
2: he wants to know what... Mrs. Coulter knew from the theometer, and then wants to know what Grumman discovered. Mm-hmm. But then changes his mind to reframe the question how Grumman discovered what he did. Because right now I'm thinking it's- that nobody knows he's traveling between worlds. Mm-hmm. So if he asks Fra Pavel to find what he discovered then surely all of that would be revealed to Fra Pavel in the Magisterium at the same time. So if he asks how, he can trace him back that way?
1: Yeah, he he asks how can he find what Grumman discovered. So he, instead of just asking straight what it is and not having any context for it, mm-hmm. because the alethiometer is not, and especially the way that these old dudes with books read it, <laughs> it's not very intuitive. You get like a surface level of an answer to your question, but nothing deeper. Mm-hmm. So, he decides to ask a much more specific question, which is, what is my path to get to there? Which I think was a smart move.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, he says to report back with whatever he finds. mm mm-hmm. uh, Why not just stay for the reading like Mrs. Coulter did? Because it takes weeks. Really?
1: Yeah. When these dudes do it, it takes weeks. When adults specifically do it, it takes a long time. Oh. I think they mentioned that. Uh, when Mrs. Coulter was first... Asking questions back in that earlier scene. They said it can take up to X number of weeks to get an answer.
2: Gotcha. There was (laughs) a scene of them standing over the lithiometer, or I thought it was, and it seemed like she was asking him to ask right then, and she was watching. That's what confused me.
1: They have to go through the books and like write down all the meanings and then cross-reference because, yeah, they can... From what I understand of what I've read, they can get in the correct mind state to ask the question, mm-hmm. to pick the right symbols, ask the question, and then get symbols back. But from there, they have to flip through, you know, the 20 books of alethiometer stuff that they have mm. and actually research it, where, as we've seen with Lyra, it's intuitive. She just knows. Gotcha. She's riding up and down that ladder.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Lyra decides to find Lee to help find Yorick or help convince Yorick to come with them. So while she's attempting to hire him, she steals all of his bacon. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, she comes to the conclusion that they have his armor and Lee shares to with her and us that the armor is like a bear, an armored bear's demon. Mm -hmm. so it's it's very important you can't just go off and get some other armor you can't just leave it here in the town right especially since well uh, yeah we see that he has forged this armor himself out of sky iron and it's a new armor that he made after he was cast out from the bears proper whatever you call a, a gathering of bears I don't know tribe clan clan sounds good yeah Bear Clan. I bear like Clan. It. Uh in the scene we also get my favorite line from the books and it was also in the movie and we got it here again. I'm so glad. But war is the sea he swims in and the air mm-hmm. he breathes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, the bear himself is not saying it this time, but we still got the line. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's good. I
2: don't know why I like it so much. It's very poetic. Um then we see Lyra going to Yorick Baron and Sin in exchange for him joining their motley crew of ragtag Egyptians. She will tell him where to find his armor, and he also must agree not to kill anyone unless they pose an actual threat to his life or they attack him. Mm-hmm. Seems uh, like a fair trade. Yeah, so she looks it up immediately, and Yorick runs off to the center of the oratory. <laughs> And he's breaking everything along the way, almost including Lyra. He's
1: just going in a straight line, man. The shortest uh, what is it path between two points
2: is a straight line, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where he's going just through things like a just
1: leaving a bear shaped hole through the <laughs> town.
2: <tail. Yes. laughs> uh, so the Magisterium goons and Sisselman tried to shoot him down, but that's that's a stupid thing for them to do,
1: <laughs> yeah. Is as they're they're, just bouncing off of that
2: armor yeah as they're desperately trying to stuff gunpowder into their guns <laughs> and reload their single shot pistols <laughs> uh yorick almost crushes dudley's head before lyra steps in and she's like no just walk away with me and also lee shows up and helps i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's what he makes that cute face at her and um they agree to leave together while Kaiza Seraphina w which not which her demon watches over them. Mm-hmm. I, I
1: want to hope that we get more scenes with Lee and Lyra, but I know that we won't really not like this, mm-hmm. not scenes like this. That's kind of a shame.
2: Yeah, because it it's so good. It's two, two bluffers playing off of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know. The show could remix everything and we just got all Lee and Lyra scenes. It's true. Replace all the Lee, all the uh, Yorick stuff with Lee stuff.
3: Mm.
1: They did. They've already remixed a lot of stuff in this episode. Like, we we end up in the same place. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter that much. But they have changed some things for efficiency
2: here. Lyra surprises Lord Faw with uh, Yorick as well as Lee.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) and you can see that Lee is really charmed by how well Lyra can bluff and he makes his pitch to Lord Fa for his services so I'm kind of surprised that the Egyptians are paying for any kind of help but um, having an aeronaut seems like a pretty pretty decent thing to pay for it's also
1: easy to uh, say that you'll pay for something because you never know who's going to who's gonna die in this crazy mission that they're doing right, exactly
2: <laughs> um i'm willing to bet that he doesn't get paid at all by the end of this
1: <laughs> if he survives maybe he will because right everybody else if all of them
2: survive so then we see mrs coulter in another fucking fabulous snow outfit like With i had yeah i'm really anti all impractical snowshoe wear Mm -hmm. but it's worth it for what she's she's doing here (laughs) yeah it's her it's her cave walking clothes Mm -hmm. she goes to eofor Ragnanson's king bear cave to ask for control over asriel Mm -hmm. Um, in exchange she's going to offer a baptism and acceptance into the magisterium that that really makes him perk up, and this is so heartbreakingly cute. What the Year Four is doing, like it just being manipulated by her, you know. First, he he starts off, you know, with his with his walls up. He's not even gonna look at her because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be manipulated by her again. And once she offers him this, the acceptance into the Magisterium, he peeks his head around the corner, and he's wearing this. Badass. That helmet is so cool. But fucking gaudy armor. Yes. It's It's so extra. I love it.
1: It's so different from Yorick's.
2: Yeah. And he would be the first and only bear to be baptized.
1: And the fact that he even wants this is giving us some major insight into that character.
2: Right. Because, you know, he's 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 living in a cave and he's doing bear stuff mm-hmm. and they've... I mean, you know, we see that or within this episode through, you know, Miss Coulter writing her, practicing her speech that she's giving him here, you know, she helped to displace Yorick and give Eafer control over this throne.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So he wants some, he has human-ish aspirations, but I don't know.
1: It seems to be the way that they're, they're leading us. To yeah. Think.
2: Yeah. He's just got this, like, he's got this kind of slack jaw thing underneath his helmet. Like, maybe he's been in some serious battles before, and it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it was it was heartbreaking.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I guess I just have a tender spot for people who are clearly being taken advantage being of and just go in, yeah. like, heart open.
1: Right. And I should say, even the fact that he is able to be manipulated in bear culture, it means that he is, he's losing right. his bareness. Because bears can't be
2: tricked. Mm -hmm. Mm. Is that a spoiler?
1: Because they haven't said it yet in the show. But (laughs) soon we will find out that bears cannot be tricked. Apparently. So they say. But I guess. Who knows? Yeah. If I were part of a race of sentient fox people, I would say all foxes can't be tricked. So, (laughs) you know.
2: Well. We know that us as women can't be tricked So (laughs) that's all I'm sure of
1: I wish that weren't true
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So the end The end of this deal will be that he keeps Asriel locked in bear prison And also Destroys all of Asriel's labs And Mrs. Coulter Gets to control him in bear prison Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of hot
1: potentially, yeah.
2: Now we see how feisty Lyra was made. These kind of situations that they put themselves in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um. So then we go back to the Egyptians and Yorick and Lee and Hester and everyone's setting off on foot to their journey across the frozen tundra and they're heading
1: north! North! (laughs) We're going north! (laughs) Again! Again. Hell yes. Love it. So happy. Yeah. I don't know where I want to know where the sleds are and the sled dogs. Yep. Because they were supposed to be there. Maybe it's just cause of going uphill. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe they're just going back to the ship to get supplies. They're not actually tough taking off yet.
2: Journey north.
1: Four days they're mm-hmm. gonna
2: have to walk without the, any dogs unless they find some along the way.
1: And then train them how to yeah. be sled dogs. Yep. Find mm-hmm. some other
2: bears, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anything's possible. So that's the end of the episode. I do have a little bit of feedback if you'd like to hear what everyone's saying. I would
1: like to hear it, yes. I don't have access to these emails. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me all the things.
2: Good. It'll be a nice surprise for you. So a couple of these came in before this week's episode, but I think they're still relevant here. Uh, Beth says, something Alexa said a couple of weeks ago is haunting me. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) What did I do? I really agree that they are taking their sweet, sweet time getting to the north, which makes me worried about rushing later, especially because they're putting more content in than was in the book. I do remember that the book builds in much the same way, so the reader is about as impatient as Lyra to get there, but I would have thought that they might cut things to keep the pace moving. Having said that, I love the remixing of when we're introduced to the other worlds. Introductions to certain other characters will make a lot more sense now that we've seen the build up. I keep internally screaming when we're in our world in anticipation of seeing them. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: On the point about how they could show better the connection between humans and demons, I had a similar thought when the journalist was killed. One of the big things in Lyra's world is how incredibly taboo it is to touch another person's demon without very express permission to do so, which totally makes sense. But... With the way she was killed, we didn't get any sense of that. She looked surprised when he grabbed it, but not horrified. It was actually a really horrific death because of the violation before she was killed. This theme will also be important in later episodes, I suspect, so it's a shame they didn't set it up here. It's also part of why Miss Coulter sends her monkey after Pan rather than doing anything herself to him. Only part is it's also because she pulls all of her shitty behavior on the monkey to other it from her demons often fight it out to see which of the humans are in charge but a human would never interfere in that anyway it's little details like that which would really help build the world Uh, but I also couldn't agree more that just some more demon screen time would be better screen time also still can't imagine how much the CGI budget is if this were Game of Thrones we'd probably only see Pan once every three episodes yes I'm still bitter about Ghost thanks for asking (laughs) (laughs) we all are right there with you I agree. I mean, the thing about ghosts is, is that ghosts could just, you know, story moves forward without ghosts being there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, these demons are really important, especially when, like, a witch's demon is being sent out as a representative of her. And, you know, he's got to be able to hold that on his own. No gray goose can do that. Nope. I guess... Can't emote
1: as much as a hawk. The <laughs> hawk's not really emoting though, so I don't know. They just didn't want
2: to. Didn't look as pay graceful. For a new model
1: <laughs> probably look goofy as fuck, and they decided well, this can't be a witch's demon. Look how goofy it is. I it's know. got this, it's got this muscle neck and this beefy chest thing. Yeah. I see you making marks. I,
2: I don't know. I was really disappointed that it wasn't a goose because I was mm-hmm. so excited to see this gray goose. But that; those are my own expectations here.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's reasonable expectations. It's a very minor thing to change.
2: <laughs> I just keep thinking of Farter Quorum saying, I'm really surprised that Tony's demon chose the form of a hawk. Really? We're not. <laughs> nobody Nobody else is. <laughs>
1: literally, literally every Egyptian that we've seen has a hawk. His mother has a hawk. What the fuck are you talking about?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jasmine writes in, Ruth Wilson is killing it, but ever since I first saw her in Luther, something about her face threw me off. Then I realized it's her mouth. It's too big and curls up like a cartoon when she smiles. It makes her look like Dr. Finkelstein from The Nightmare Before Christmas, and it freaks me out. Okay, I had this exact same thought. I don't know if anyone out there listening who also listens to our American Horror Story podcast, but I... Do have this, I don't know, how's a good way to say this without sounding like an asshole. Mm-hmm. I notice these
3: things mm-hmm. like
2: Sarah Paulson's very moist upper lip. <laughs> so I immediately noticed this on Ruth Wilson, but I wasn't willing to say it because I'm trying to keep this positive mm-hmm. no matter how much Lin-Manuel Miranda tries to take that away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and... I don't know. It doesn't make her any less attractive or anything like that. It's just once you see it, it cannot be unseen. So thanks for ru- ruining that for us, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. Second part. Do you think this series is being a bit overdramatic while taking too many episodes to lay out the story? I read all of the books as a kid, and I love them, so I know the general story arc, but I've been trying to gauge how good the show is by my fiancé's reaction as a non-book reader, and he seems ambivalent and not that excited so far. The scene in episode three of Lyra giving a rousing speech to the Egyptians, and then rapidly listening to this, oh, I'm sorry, raptly listening to this random little girl tell them they need to risk their lives and livelihoods to go north seems a little ridiculous, but maybe I'm overthinking this?
1: I mean, these are all fair points. I can't argue with them.
2: Yeah, I get that, that they are, this does seem a little bit far-fetched, but you also have to keep in mind, and they did lay this out in in the show, is that the Egyptians are all pretty well aware that she's this prophesied child. So even if she weren't compelling, which I think she is, I think they know that that's the right choice. And there are people like Lord Fa and Raymond Van Garrett who will always push back
3: Mm -hmm.
2: against what's just, against what's rational or just what's assumed. These people want to still have control over their lives. So they're that voice of the audience saying, why are we doing this? Let's think about it.
1: Right. Um, Especially, well, pertaining to that scene, it could also be an ego thing because you have this very small girl saying we should fight and if you say no we shouldn't fight that makes you look a little bit like a coward right so that could be some motivation there too but i do almost feel like the scene where lord Faw is telling her no we're going forget the bear let's just go is almost like an apology
3: (laughs) for that previous
2: scene and how mm, (laughs) vaguely unrealistic it is right yeah and it's not it doesn't become real until it's it, it may be 27 kids but that you know that's just an abstract number it's not my kid it's not my life that's being affected so yeah I get that uh next email is from Jared Jared said has a quick question on the books versus the tv show uh Jared is not familiar with the books at all and just the tv and just the tv show so how true is the tv show keeping with the book also, are the books already finished or is it still ongoing? I see they've already been renewed for season two and I don't want to get into a GRRM Game of Thrones situation. Uh can you are you able to speak to that without spoiling too much? It's the end of the feedback, so if you're if you're still listening, be prepared to know how much of the story we get into, I guess.
1: Um, I yeah, I can talk about it without being too spoiler. I will say they have changed the the way that information is being given to us in some ways, but as far as the 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 main points of the plot, it's following the books pretty closely. I would say we're just getting more insight into what is happening outside of Lyra's perspective.
2: did you say that they are cutting some of the second book, like the other hour worldness into this season two?
1: They are, and it's not they aren't like changing the the when of when things take place. All they're showing is the lead-up to things that happen in the second book, but from the perspective of these characters that are introduced in the second book or, you know, their, their actions that are introduced in the second book, um, they're showing the lead-up to that okay. here in this. They're cutting that in, which makes sense. It's, you know, linear storytelling, and it's preparing us for the, frankly... Quite weird shit that <laughs> happens. <laughs> that happens at the end of this particular adventure of Lyra's going north.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Jared also asked, "Are the books already finished, or are they still ongoing?"
1: You have nothing to fear <laughs> on that point. The original trilogy is finished, which is what the the show is following, and the second trilogy uh, is almost finished. There's one more book coming out, and I'm pretty sure that's coming out pretty soon within the next couple of years. Pullman is pretty good at sticking to deadlines.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's good, yeah. And he yeah. did the right thing. He finished the original trilogy or the original series, and then started adding the supplementary material. I think. Mm-hmm. You're the expert here.
1: It is, uh, yeah, it is supplementary. It's the the beginning, beginning of the story, and also the end, end of the story.
2: Mm-hmm. You think? Uh, just I'm asking you for speculation now. Do you think that's going to be it, or you think maybe there could be more other stories? Like I don't know, whatever main characters we end up with, their children in the future. You think they'll do anything like that? I don't know because
1: what is almost everything that we're shown is from Lyra's perspective. Okay. There is a secondary character whose perspective is introduced in the new trilogy, but I don't know. If there's any future in that. I don't know how many answers are going to be given by the end of the new trilogy. It's it. The second book ended in a weird place. Hmm. And I'm really interested to read the third one. But it's answers. It's all about answering these questions that we have. Dust and its role and everything. And the relationship of humans and their demons. Mm-hmm.
2: All that good shit. That's good. Uh, final email this week is from Tobinkinsaw.com. As someone who is completely new to the story, I was hoping you might be able to shed some light on some of the character names. There's a lot of world building involved with a story like this, but it makes it hard to keep track of who's who. For example, I kept hearing Father Quorum" rather than Farter Quorum." Is Farter his first name or some kind of <laughs> title? So you said that Father and Farter are kind of the same thing? Yeah. Uh, is that, I don't know, is that relevant how they got to Farter? <laughs> Because he's a father that farts a lot. (laughs) Cecily.
1: (laughs) How could you? (laughs) No. No, No. I think it's just a sort of vaguely cockney cocknization. Okay. Welsh Welshization of father. Uh. With you if you say father with a slightly Welsh accent, it ends up sounding a little bit like Farter. So Okay. There you go. And then
2: you just start spelling it that way and everyone does it.
1: And that is kind of the role that he serves in the Egyptians is sort of a spiritual. Mm, I don't want to say spiritual guide because that gives the wrong connotation, but like a spiritual
2: advisor. Right. Like a God farter. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs)
1: The fartest. How far are we going to take this?
2: The fartest. Uh, I'm as far as I can go.
1: I just aged four years. I hope you're happy.
2: I
3: am. I really oh, am. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> it's like six more gray hairs.
2: Devinkinsaw says, similarly, I wonder how one becomes a lord in this world and what it means. There's a lord Fa who appears to be Egyptian, if I'm not mistaken, and there's a lord Azrael and a lord Boreal, and none of these people are in league, so I'm curious why they have the same titles.
1: They all have power, so they can call themselves lord.
2: They all have magical powers.
1: <laughs> power either through money or just other people's regard for them. Lord Boreal uh has money, obviously. Uh, obviously. The way he dresses and everything you can in tell. And his Tesla. And his Tesla, yeah. He he has power in that in that way. Lord Azrael has power in the sense that I mean, look at him, all the things that we know about him. We know that he does these crazy expeditions. We know that he bangs any woman he wants, basically. <laughs> which is Okay. And yeah, so, you know, you can call himself Lord if he wants to.
3: All
2: right.
1: And Lord Fa is the only one that is like maybe actually a Lord.
2: Right. As the Western <laughs> Where he has King. people under him. Yeah. So yeah, that's all we've got this week. Uh, lord Alexis. Mm, <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> so we are going to talk about spoilers that are regarding any and everything, but mostly just this season kind of spoiler knowledge. So if you don't want to know something, we'll definitely be spoiled for you. You can tune out now and we'll see you next week. Okay. Um,
1: The one insight I have, and it, there could be questions why a priest was holding a bear's armor, a spe- like specifically a priest. Mm-hmm. And in the book... Uh, Lyra reads the alethiometer and she, or in her reading of the alethiometer of where the armor was, it gives her additional insight that the priest was testing it for spirits. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Which never has anything to do with anything else ever again. Oh, really? Kind of a throwaway line. I can understand why they didn't include it here. Huh. It's just...
2: Just because the magisterium... Just doesn't understand the power or the connection between, you know, your soul and this thing.
1: Mm-hmm. They're mad curious
2: about it. They are testing the relationship between demons and people. Mm-hmm. And this is some kind of foreign concept that they, all they can do is throw their own magic at it.
1: Yeah. Also, like, what are demons composed of? Is that is that matter the same as the matter in other things that are also very important? Mm. Who knows? They want to know.
2: They certainly do. <laughs> it's
1: called experimental theology, which is physics in our world. I think they'll go into that a little bit more. Hmm. Well, in the second book, but I don't know when it's going to come in the show. <laughs> Maybe two episodes from now. If at all. If yeah. at all, yeah.
2: That's all we've got this week. Until next week's episode, I'm your host, Cecily. I am three polar
1: bears in a trench coat, Alexis.
2: <laughs> Bye. Bye. What happened? what happened? Got it
1: in your own head.
2: Really hard not to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Drink some water real quick. No, it's just for you. Just for you later. Uh perfect. <laughs>